Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I am your host, Jordan Jones. We're back here today for our final episode for the month of July, and it's unbelievable how fast the time has gone since this podcast got off the ground back during quarantine. With students preparing to return to campus in a few weeks, we are getting closer to football season. This is the time where I'm really feeling how weird it is to not have college football feeling normal this year. Uh, Big Ten media days would have been this week under normal circumstances. So we'll spend today's show looking at some of the preseason preview magazines and what they have to say about the 2020 Purdue football squad. First, as always, uh, we'll take a look at some news from this week in the world of the Boilers and beyond. So as many of you saw, I'm sure, on Twitter, uh, in the Big Ten, both Michigan State and Rutgers have suspended their voluntary football activities due to high numbers of COVID-19 tests being positive. Um, Obviously, this is not a good sign. Uh, That should also not come as a tremendous surprise. I think there is plenty of reason to be skeptical at this point about players' ability to follow the rules and the guidelines that have been laid out for them. You know, we're seeing it at the pro sports level with the Marlins blowing up positive tests in the NBA, with Lou Williams leaving for a funeral and ending up at an Atlanta strip club. Um, You know, getting these athletes to follow the rules and regulations, especially right now when you know, you're in the dog days of summer, you've got students starting to migrate back towards campus, and you're not playing games anytime soon. Um, neither school, Michigan State, nor Rutgers has released their numbers of positive tests they have had, which makes it a little more difficult to understand what we are dealing with. Um, you know, Purdue has not been releasing the numbers related to their COVID testing, Uh, We don't know what they're looking at. Hopefully, Purdue is avoiding these issues as best they can. Um, But, yeah, you know, not good for Michigan State or Rutgers at this point. And hopefully, uh, we don't see a continued uptick in schools shutting down their voluntary workouts. Uh, In basketball recruiting news this week, Uh, We did see the Purdue target five-star wing from Dallas, Texas, Harrison Ingram, will be announcing his final six schools on Friday as August 1st. I do expect Purdue to make the cut here. I know last week on the show I brought up that I am very skeptical of Purdue's chances to land Harrison Ingram, and I had you know a few people reach out disagreeing with that completely. You know, saying they expect Purdue to land Harrison Ingram. Look, I do expect him to list Purdue in his final six. I think Purdue has a is in a good spot there. But, you know, Duke has come on the scene recently. He's expressed interest in his HBCU ties. Those two combined are bad news for Purdue. And, you know, let's talk let's just point out here that Ingram is he's announced a top ten. He's now cutting it to six. Purdue's commits don't do stuff like that often. You can look at Purdue's whole 2020 class. Uh, You know, Zach Eady didn't do that. 
Jaden Ivey didn't do that, and Ethan Morton didn't do that. None of these guys had a list process. For all those guys, it was simply coming out and committing to Purdue when they were ready to commit. Traditionally, Purdue does not get guys who are out here trimming their list in a big public fashion. I do also understand, you know, Ingram's a five-star. He's a top 10 to 15 player in the country. That commands a different level of media attention. But just the the handling of the recruitment here does not feel like something that's going to go Purdue's way. And should Duke come in with an offer, I do think that will likely knock Purdue completely out of the race. But Duke also has not offered yet. We will continue to monitor that and the recruitment of Harrison Ingram. Additionally, in the 2021 class, uh, we see Blake Wesley, a four-star guard from South Bend Riley High School, uh, will be cutting his list in late August. He announced that on Twitter this past week. Uh, I do not believe he announced the number of schools he will be trimming his list to, but uh, I would be very surprised if Purdue did not make the cut here. Uh, Purdue, again, should be in a good spot here with Blake Wesley. Uh, I am, again, a little bit skeptical here about Wesley coming to Purdue. I think, you know, there's a decent chance, I guess. I think uh, Archie Miller down at Indiana would really like Blake Wesley. I know Mark Turgeon out at Maryland has expressed strong interest. So, you know, Purdue's going up against a couple of really good uh, recruiters in Turgeon and Archie Miller. Uh, and it is worth pointing out, Purdue only has one scholarship remaining. Uh, and you have Harrison Ingram, Blake Wesley, and Trey Kaufman, all of which Purdue would love to have. So, you know, who will come and get it first? Who knows? But it is worth pointing out that that one scholarship remaining is very, very significant. Going back to football a little bit here, uh, bouncing around today, the Pac-12, who is the only other conference that has officially announced they are only playing conference games, has started to lay out plans for a 10-game schedule of all conference games. It would begin in mid-September. They would delay the season by a couple of weeks and add some bye weeks in there for scheduling flexibility. And it is interesting. I, I haven't always thought of bye weeks, but looking at how baseball is already struggling a little bit and they're trying to play 60 games in 66 days, you know, this adding in bye weeks for scheduling flexibility could be really big. You know, if you were to have a team, you know, out in the Pac 12, say Arizona has a week where they just get ravaged with COVID cases and they're able to push games back, you know, later in the calendar to when they're presumably going to be much healthier. Um, I, I think that's interesting. They have multiple dates laid out for their conference championship game out in Las Vegas. Um, really interesting stuff. I am anxiously awaiting the Big Ten to announce anything related to their conference schedule. So far, we know very little other than that the Big Ten will not be playing non-conference games. And it is interesting to see that the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC have all kind of remained silent here, particularly the SEC and Big 12 with Greg Sankey and Bob Bowlesby not making any official announcements yet. That'll be interesting 
this week as the calendar turns from July to August, and we are really in the heart of college football preseason once that calendar gets into August. Former Purdue running back Raheem Moster uh, restructured his deal with the San Francisco 49ers this week. He will be back in San Francisco this season. Purdue fans will remember that he had an excellent playoffs last year, getting the 49ers to the Super Bowl, where they ended up losing to the Chiefs. But Mostert was excellent. Um, It just goes to show you how poor the Hazel staff did with Mostert and many other players on that roster. But, you know, just to look at what Mostert's doing in the NFL compared to his complete lack of production at Purdue. It is fascinating, it's unfortunate, it's frustrating, but congratulations to Raheem Mostert, uh, well-deserved guy has really worked hard in the NFL to stick in the league for a while and get to this point where he's getting a nice payday uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. Best of luck to him as he continues his time out in the Bay Area. And finally, we saw in the Cancun Challenge where... Uh, Purdue will be playing, not in Cancun, in the Florida Panhandle this year. Uh, For the second straight year, Purdue will be playing their preseason non-conference tournament there. But Purdue will get Illinois State in the first round, while on the other side of the bracket, Clemson and Mississippi State will face off. I think Purdue probably would have preferred to get another one of those Power Six programs but they get Illinois State. Uh, they were pretty mediocre in the Valley last year. I believe they finished eighth out of the ten teams. Um, this tournament needs to be won by Purdue, plain and simple. Uh, if Purdue's going to have a good year this upcoming year, uh, they need to win this tournament. That's you know Clemson and Mississippi State are good teams. They're not great teams. They're inconsistent teams who don't often push the you know push the needle in college basketball the way Purdue does having gotten to three sweet 16s in the past four seasons Purdue needs to win this tournament and it will be a very good gauge early on as to how hard Purdue's players worked this offseason Matt Painter is going to put them in position to succeed it's a matter of whether the guys are ready to succeed or not Now, today's main topic will be the college football preview magazines and what they say about Purdue. I may be in a minority here, but one of my favorite parts of the year is early June when the preview magazines are released. I can spend the summer reading those, getting ready for college football season prior to the mid-July, late-July SEC media days, getting started and really starting the coverage of college football on a national level. Uh, I have three college football preview magazines in front of me when I was preparing for the show today. I had Athlon Sports, Street and Smith, and Phil Steele, all of their college football previews. Uh, I will be giving my thoughts on both their analysis of Purdue and their preview of Purdue, as well as the magazine as a whole. Uh, If you haven't yet, I highly recommend getting a hold of a college football preview magazine. A lot of these have a ton of information, pretty low price. It'll help you really prepare for the season once it begins, whenever it begins, especially for those of you like me who enjoy uh, utilizing Indiana's gambling legalization 
and gambling on college sports. So um, we'll start off here with Athlon Sports. Uh, nice thing. They give two full pages to each Power 5 program. Break it down into sections of offense, defense, special teams, and some final thoughts. You get a two-deep depth chart, some advanced statistics. Athlon breaks down, not breaks down, but lists the entire 2020 recruiting class for Purdue. Uh, has key losses and key returning players on uh, both sides of the ball, offense and defense. And then also they have the best feature in any college football magazine. And I will wrap up the Athlon analysis with that. But uh, Athlon predicts Purdue to go 6-6 six and six overall and 3-6 and six in the Big Ten. This was printed before the Big Ten's announcement that conference games would only be played. So kind of disregard the 6-6, six 3-6. and, six, three and six. That won't be the final record for Purdue. But it does give you a good idea of what the magazines think of Purdue this year. Um, that's kind of the way I look at it. Because even with the uh, delayed schedule and the Big Ten only schedule, we can look at their prediction of 3-6 and six in the Big Ten and say, okay, they really have Purdue struggling. You see that as they have Purdue fifth in the Big Ten West, preseason projected, along with an appearance in the Cheez-It Bowl. You know, my only comment on this is that beating Memphis, Air Force, and Boston College in three straight weeks would have been really, really difficult. Uh, I get it. You know, when you predict these games, sometimes you just have to predict who's going to be the outright favorite. But that would have been a really... Uh, that would be a stretch for Purdue to win all three of those games three weeks in a row. And they start off their analysis of Purdue with a stat that, you know, I'd kind of forgotten. I guess I hadn't necessarily thought about, but Purdue is 6-12 and 12 since they upset Ohio State on that fateful night of October 2018. It's kind of fascinating to me, um, you know, to only win two games the rest of that season and then to win four last year. It does uh, cause a little bit of hesitation in terms of optimism of Purdue. Then again, last year, injury ravished. Do what you may with that stat, but it is interesting to me. That's something that jumped out as I was reading this preview early on. And as with everyone else that you will find, Athlon is very high on Purdue's receiving core. A uh, little bit doubtful on the rest of the offense, though. They point out a lot about the three-man quarterback competition and not necessarily sold on a single uh, quarterback. I get it. I, I think there are reasons to be doubtful. There are also reasons to feel really good about Purdue's quarterback competition. I think this is truly a competition where your outlook is really going to depend on how you feel about this quarterback competition. Uh, Purdue definitely... Uh, needs to improve after finishing last in the conference in rushing yards per game. Athlon's all over that. Completely agree. And senior left tackle Grant Hermans is the only offensive lineman who was name-dropped in the uh, preview column, should I say. Uh, I think that is also probably pretty fair. Purdue did not have a good offensive line last year. Hermans is by far the best returnee on that line. Um, and as you go to the defensive side of the ball, 
Uh, Athlon is very encouraged with Lorenzo Neal and George Karlaftis on the defensive line, and they do question the linebacker group quite a bit. Uh, you have Demarcus Mitchell, the junior college transfer. You have Derek Barnes, who is switching from defensive end from from defensive end to linebacker. We will see what that linebacker group looks like, and it'll also be interesting to see if Bob Diaco goes with a 3-4 front, as he has liked to do at so many of his stops along the way, despite the fact that linebacker is Purdue's weakest position group on defense. Athlon is incredibly confident in the DB group, pointing out a ton of names in here. Uh, I'm right there with them on this. They're very high on sophomore corner Corey Trice. Like that a lot. Completely agree. They do project Diedrich Mackey to start at the other cornerback spot alongside Corey Trice. This was published before the addition of Iowa transfer DJ Johnson. So I don't know necessarily what Athlon thinks between DJ Johnson and Diedrich Mackey, but you know, that's sometimes the danger of print media is you can send something to the publisher one day. And the very next day, something comes out that makes it obsolete. But there are a ton of options at safety. Athlon points out Cam Allen, Simeon Smiley, Tyler Coyle, and Brennan Thieneman uh, as potential options at safety. I think Cam Allen is for sure going to start there. You may have a little bit of discussion on who starts at the other safety spot. Uh, I am a little bit surprised to not see a Marvin Grant mention in there. Uh, I think he is really, really a strong player for Purdue. Probably would have gotten some reps as a true freshman last year had he not gotten hurt. Uh, I do expect him to get some time in the defensive backfield this year and make an impact for Purdue. And I do think Tyler Coyle and Cam Allen deserved a little more analysis. I think they're going to be pretty good uh, defensive backs for Purdue this year. Cam Allen has a very bright future in West Lafayette, just going to be a true sophomore this year, uh, whereas Tyler Coyle is a fifth year, but you know could really end his career well in the Big Ten coming from UConn to West Lafayette. I am glad that Athlon gave some attention to the special teams because this was an area Purdue really struggled last year. Uh, the punting game was really a weak area for Purdue. Brooks Cormier needs to be a lot better than he was last year. They did give some love to the new special teams coach, Marty Biaggi, who comes to West Lafayette from University of North Texas, where he was the special teams coach there. Athlon points out as well that Purdue needs the return game to be better. Uh, they do obviously look at Rondale Moore as someone who could help that quite a bit. But even when Rondale Moore was healthy for the first three games last year, Purdue's return game was not great. I remember a muffed punt from Rondale Moore in the season opener at Nevada. Uh, that needs to be cut out. Hopefully Marty Biaggi can uh, make some strides with Purdue's special teams unit and get them a little bit better and you know in the top half of the Big Ten in special teams maybe. Uh, at the end of the day, Athlon's preview is very solid of Purdue. A lot of good information in there. Uh, some of the features on the side are really nice. They provide some good info. And the best part of the Athlon magazines and the main part of Athlon magazines that keeps me buying them every single year is that when they preview a team, there is a section on the page 
where they get comments from opposing coaches within that conference about that program. So for Purdue, they ask other Big Ten coaches what they think of Jeff Brom, reported anonymously in the magazine. Uh, I do love that. That is a fantastic feature. Coach Brom got a lot of respect in there. Uh, opposing coaches are fairly high on Purdue, despite the rough 4-8 and eight season in 2019. Really good stuff there, and it's, it's fascinating to read when you look at some of the programs who are in a little bit more turmoil than Purdue is. Miami had a hilarious section in there from other coaches. A few other really good ones. So that's my favorite part of the Athlon magazine. And it always is telling to see what other coaches think of those schools. You know, the guys who are in the industry, in there every single day, they're not wrong too often about these other programs. So hats off to Athlon for that great section there. Uh, I appreciate that. And we'll keep buying the Athlon magazine as long as that section stays. Uh, We move in now to Street and Smith's preseason magazine. This is the first year I had bought Street and Smith's, had never really seen it on the shelves before, despite having heard about it quite a bit. Uh, on the front cover, Street and Smith's claims to be the football fan's number one guide. Let's see if I agree with that. Uh, first time buying it, so no previous biases on here. I was disappointed right away to see that Purdue only got one page of preview. Two pages were only given to the top three projected teams in each division. So Minnesota, coming off an 11-win season, was not projected to be in the top three by Street and Smiths. They only got one page of preview. Purdue only got one page of preview. That is weak stuff right there. Um, Just really, really poor stuff. you got to have more preview than that for Power 5 programs, especially someone like Minnesota, who went, you know, 11 and two last year and comfortably beat Auburn in a bowl game. Uh, Similar to Athlon, Street and Smith projects Purdue fifth in the Big Ten West. Has Purdue going to the Belk Bowl down in Charlotte? That is now the Duke's Mayo Bowl. They don't preview the record, which again, I think that's kind of weak. I think you can at least put a record out there. If you're going to be predicting a bowl game, Six and six, I would assume, if you're going to have them fifth in the Big Ten West. The page of the preview for Purdue is divided into three columns. Only one of those columns is analysis of the team. Pretty disappointing there. Uh, Not broken down into offense and defense. Just a little bit of preview right up there. Uh, They are very optimistic about the offensive line play compared to what Athlon said. Uh... One of the funniest things about these preview magazines is that everyone has different opinions as to who is a returning starter and who is not. You know, Street and Smith's here gives Purdue five returning starters on the offensive line. I, that, yes, five players have started a game for Purdue on the offensive line. Starting one game does not make you a returning starter. Disagree with that completely, but. Um, you know, they are optimistic about the offensive line play. That is a little refreshing just to see some optimism there for an area where Purdue has been weak for a really long time now. Uh, As with everyone, Street and Smith like the receiving group, and they do point out Ahmad Anderson 
in addition to Moore and Bell. It's good to see those other receivers getting some love. I do think Ahmad Anderson, Milton Wright, guys like that are excellent receivers who probably do not get enough credit in the preseason because they are overshadowed by two guys who were freshman All-Americans. Um, they mentioned the need to replace Bryson Hopkins. Do not mention anything about replacements, whether it be Payne Durham, Kyle Beloto, or Garrett Miller. Nothing about any replacements there. Um, again, another tough part of the print media nature. This was written before Austin Burton's commitment to Purdue. So, you know, they only focus on Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell as quarterback uh, potential starters there. And the only comment about the defense here in this whole Purdue preview is that Diaco's new, Marcus Bailey is gone, and, quote, Karlaftis and Neal have plenty of experience behind them, end quote. That is definitely a stretch to say that there is a ton of experience on the Purdue defense outside of Karlaftis and Neal. Uh, really not sure about that one, but... They do end with this quote that I found very interesting. If one of Purdue's quarterbacks can replicate David Blau's 2018 season, the Boilermakers will be a threat in the Big Ten West. So from a preview that says very little about a defense that definitely has some question marks, uh, they do feel Purdue is a quarterback away from competing in the Big Ten West. I do like that there was a little more attention given to recruiting in this magazine than there was in Athlon. Uh, they list some of Purdue's recruit, bigger recruits, uh, the two Michigander wide receivers, Malik Carr and Abdur Rahman Yassin, looking at running back Tyreek Murphy, quarterback Michael Alamo, and defensive lineman Greg Hudgens and Bryce Austin. I'll get some love from Street and Smiths here. Overall, you can find a lot better previews out there. Uh, there was no real defense or special teams analysis. Not going very in-depth anywhere besides receiver. Only a one-deep depth chart on the side there. Uh, not a great preview from Street and Smiths. I will probably not be buying this one again next year. And if you are looking to get a college football preview magazine, I would recommend Athlon over Street and Smith's. And that brings us to the very popular Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, you see a lot of his retweets of his fans tweeting out their magazine to him. But he claims on the cover, on the very top, that it is the book the experts cannot do without. He claims to be the most ma accurate magazine over the last 22 years. That is corroborated inside the magazine. Credit to Phil for proving his claim at least. Uh, but, you know, this is an in-depth magazine. If you are a big college football fan and you live and breathe this sport, Phil Steele's is the must-have magazine for you. There are 353 pages of analysis in this magazine. Very little wasted space. You will see a ton of words abbreviated so that more words can fit on a page. Just great stuff from Phil there. Um, and his very popular most improved teams list or his list of surprise teams, Purdue does not appear on either of those. They just missed the cut on Phil's most improved list. 
and Purdue is left out of Phil's preseason top 40. So not great stuff from Purdue to start there. Phil does give Purdue the fourth best wide receiver unit in the nation. I think that's very fair. Everyone is very high on this Purdue receiving group with Rondale Moore, David Bell, and a plethora of talented but little less experienced receivers behind them. Going into the Big Ten preview, Phil has Purdue finishing sixth in the Big Ten West above only the Fighting Illini. Still says he expects Purdue to finish in a bowl game, which was interesting to me. You know, finishing sixth in the conference and going to a bowl game, that's a little interesting. But uh, that obviously, again, was before the Big Ten went to conference games only. Uh, He breaks down every position group for every Power 5 program on here. Another reason why this is my favorite magazine, just the depth he gives to every position group on the field. He does call this a true three-man quarterback competition with the quote in there, don't be surprised if Burton starts. I I kind of agree with that. For some reason, I don't know why, but the further we get removed from last year, the more confident I am in Plummer and Burton. I think Plummer, he was up and down a little bit last year, but I do think he did some really nice things for Purdue, and his potential and his ceiling is much higher than O'Connell's. And I'm just so fascinated by Burton because he's played so little college football. Uh, that's not a good thing by any means. But, you know, I do think the raw ability is there with Burton. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens in this quarterback competition whenever that gets going this fall. He calls for the running back group to be much improved with additional development from King Doru and the addition of Tyreek Murphy, the four-star freshman from New York. As with everyone, he put him as the fourth-best unit in the country, loves Purdue wide receivers group. A majority of the emphasis is placed on Moore in his write-up of the receivers, and no mention of the tight ends in there, which I think in a Jeff Brom offense, he loves to utilize those tight ends, so could have seen some more tight end analysis there. And he does feel that Purdue's offensive line group has improved. Phil gives Purdue four returning starters on the offensive line. I think Athlon had three. Phil had four. Street and Smith's had five. So you you determine what you want to determine with returning starters. I tend to lean more with the Athlon that Purdue does not have that many true returning starters on the offensive line. Uh, but it is... It's just fascinating to me how the offensive returning starters are different with every magazine. And one potential lead here on offense that I found interesting, I know that Phil uh, speaks with every coach prior to writing his magazine, and he had uh, on the depth chart here, he gives a full depth chart with every player on the roster, and the redshirt freshman quarterback Paul Paferi was listed alongside the tight ends. On the uh, depth chart here, I don't know if that's a misprint. I don't know if that's something to watch, but I did think it was worth pointing out. uh, Something I did not expect to see, at least there. But uh, going on to the defense, Phil calls this the best Purdue defensive line in years, being led by George Karlaftis and Lorenzo Neal. Uh, He also does point out junior college transfer Demarcus Mitchell, 
and he has him listed as a defensive end rather than a linebacker. Another interesting thing to me, I don't know that I necessarily see that being the way Purdue lines up, especially if the defense goes into a 3-4 set, but something to keep an eye on for sure. And it is interesting because Phil's magazine went to the press much, much later than both Athlon and Street and Smith's did. Could be interesting. Something to watch there for sure. Uh, he obviously points out the linebacker group has to stay healthy. I agree with Phil wholeheartedly there. He does believe Derek, Mar- Derek Barnes will emerge as the star of the unit in his words. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what Barnes does after a really good year at defensive end, switching to linebacker. He finally wraps up the defensive preview by taking a look at Purdue's DB group. Says that this group can lead Purdue to their best pass defense rating in the last 10 years. I like that. I am very high on the secondary as well. Phil projects Corey Trice and DJ Johnson to start at the corner positions with Brennan Thieneman and Cam Allen starting at safety. Not sure about Thieneman starting at safety. I don't think that would be ideal for Purdue. I think you hope that there has been some more development behind Thieneman, but. You know, regardless, Thieneman has been fairly solid for Purdue over the last couple years in a defense that has really struggled over the last couple years. Uh, He does like Purdue to make a big jump in their special teams rankings if the punter play improves. Again, we've seen it in a couple magazines here. Some pressure on Brooks Cormier to be better. Uh, Zach Collins is not the ideal punter. Uh, Brooks Cormier is the guy you want. He's got a bigger leg. But can he be consistent this year in pinning opponents deep and helping out Purdue's defense? Overall, he does think this is going to be Purdue's best offense under Brom. Pretty high praise. I I think that 2018 offense was excellent. Uh, He has some cool tidbits for every game on the schedule. I just love this magazine because there's so much detail in there. Uh, Phil does call Purdue's defense uh, strong with a solid front seven. Uh, that's, that's aggressive in my opinion. I think a solid front seven might be a bit of a stretch, but you know, I like the optimism. I think a lot of you Purdue fans listening are going to like the optimism. Uh, this is my favorite magazine on the market. There's too much depth. Now, if you're buying it the first time, it might be a little overwhelming. This is jam packed with information, tons of good stuff. But it's it's tough to read at times just because of how much info is packed in there. But if you want the best preview possible for college football season, get a copy of Phil Steele's magazine. Uh, I also, though, get Athlon every year. The opposing coaches section alone makes Athlon worth the money. Um, and Athlon's got good stuff, too. Don't get me wrong there. I can say confidently, though, I will not be buying Street and Smith's again. And I stopped buying Lindy's a few years back. Uh, That one just didn't give me as much preview as I was wanting. Uh, So Athlon, Phil Steele, the way to go. Look, all three of these magazines reveal one very common truth. Purdue has a very good coach, but it's a really tough time to be in the Big Ten West. You know, this is a league that's going to be very deep, both this year in the 2020 season and beyond into the foreseeable future. 
there aren't any programs that you can look at in the West and say, I don't see a path to a bowl game for them this year. You know, Wisconsin's been in the top tier for a few years. I shouldn't say a few years, for a decade now. But everyone else is charging up behind them. There's no fluke teams in this division. Everyone's going to be strong. Purdue is lucky to have Jeff Brom at this point because he's going to keep them competitive at absolute minimum in the division. I think Jeff Brom has a really high ceiling at Purdue in the Big Ten West, but it is a deep, deep division, probably as deep of a division as you're going to find in college football from top to bottom. There is no Arkansas like there is in the SEC West. There is no Rutgers like there is in the Big Ten East. This is a top-to-bottom division filled with bowl game caliber teams. Uh, The offensive line's a concern. I do think it's awesome to see Purdue's wide receiver group getting the love they deserve. Really cool stuff and really good recognition for a Purdue offense that takes so much pride in the ability to put up points and put up points fast. Um The secondary did not get enough love, in my opinion, from anyone besides Phil Steele. But, you know, there's plenty of reason to doubt the secondary after, you know, Purdue's defense just wasn't great last year, either defending the pass or the run. Uh, Purdue didn't get off the field very much, and they need to be better this year. I believe they will be. And finally, the one takeaway from all of these preview magazines, and I've had this opinion for so long now, Scheduling this difficult non-conference schedule is a colossal mistake that Purdue is going to continue to make every single year. Purdue got lucky that the non-conference games got canceled this year. You know, for an up-and-coming program, Purdue is still up-and-coming. It is a terrible thing for your image to lose to a group of five opponent. So what does Purdue do? They schedule two group of five opponents that won 11 games last year. Yes, I know these games are scheduled far in advance. Still, you do not schedule these teams. Purdue cannot afford a loss to Memphis. Purdue cannot afford a loss to Air Force. When people look at the scores on a Sunday and see that Purdue lost to Memphis, they don't look at that and say, oh, well, you know, Memphis is one of the better teams in the American. No, they go a Power 5 team lost to a Group of 5 team. That is an image Purdue cannot afford to have in a time where they're trying to build a program and they just had a rough year last year. Purdue got fortunate to not have to play that game because regardless of whether Purdue won or not, Memphis was going to come into Ross-Aid Stadium and put up a ton of points on Purdue. Air Force, who knows, they lose a ton. The option is tough to stop, though. There's a reason Purdue doesn't play Navy and Army. There's no reason to play Air Force as well. Purdue got very, very fortunate to not play that non-conference schedule this year. Hopefully, for Purdue's sake, as they start to schedule in the future, uh, they do not continue to waste time and cost themselves opportunities by scheduling a really difficult non-conference and scheduling group of five opponents that are going to come into Ross-Aid and give Purdue everything they've got. Now, before we get into questions, I'd like to remind all of you that Boilers and Beyond is available wherever you get your podcasts. I promise not all of my episodes are rants like what I just went on for the last couple of minutes. You're going to want to make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. If you like what you're hearing today, uh, give us a five-star review, please. We'd appreciate that. 
Give the show a tweet. Uh, we're on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. Let us know what you thought of today's program. Uh, we always love the audience participation, and we give back to that every week here at the end where we take questions from the audience. First question on Twitter from Dan Jenkins. He wants to know how I would rank Purdue's wide receivers one through eight, including the incoming freshmen. This is a really good question. We've spent so much time today on the wide receiver group depth, and it's time to give some love to guys besides Rondale Moore and David Bell. Those are my one and two in that order, more than Bell. At number three, I will go with Ahmad Anderson Jr., Thought he did some really nice things for Purdue last year in the passing game. I expect him to have an increased role this year, likely as the second outside receiver alongside David Bell with more at the slot. At number four, I will go with Milton Wright. Uh, did not have the freshman campaign I think he wanted. He came in with quite a bit of fanfare and you know didn't necessarily shine all the time, but I do think... Milton Wright's got a great, great career ahead of him in Golden Black, and I'm very excited to see what he does this year. At five, I will go with Purdue's top recruit from the 2020 class, true freshman wide receiver Malik Carr. Just has so much to offer Purdue right away as a 6'4", 6'5", receiver on the outside. Uh, very good athlete, very big body. You know, he's 6'4", 6'5", his weight pushing over 230, and he can run. Uh, that weight isn't holding him back at all. Malik Carr is going to be a guy who you could see having a season the way, uh, maybe the way David Bell did last year, should some injuries happen in front of him. Carr is going to be exciting to watch in golden black. At number six, I'll go with a player who redshirted last year. I'll go with Mershon Rice. Uh, I think he's going to be another guy on the outside who can do some good things for Purdue. Purdue's going to want to have these guys on the outside be able to put up some numbers. They need guys they can go to in goal line situations on the outside, catch some jump balls, catch some 50-50 balls. That's where I think Rice comes into play. At number seven, I know Dan probably isn't going to like this answer, but I'm going to go with Jackson Anthrop. I, I'm a fan of Jackson Anthrop. He has been so consistently solid for Purdue over three years. You know, he was the leader in receptions as a freshman in 2017. And then Rondale Moore comes in in 2018, and Anthrop struggles to see the field. But even after Moore got hurt last year, Anthrop gets a good amount of uh, playing time out at slot receiver. And he was fairly productive for Purdue last year. I will give the senior, the West Lafayette native, some credit there. Uh, hopefully this year he can get some snaps, get some catches, maybe get in the end zone a time or two to really go out strong with his time in golden black. And then at number eight, so many options I can put there. I'll give Jared Sparks the nod. Another guy who's been around for all four years of the Brahm era now. Switched from quarterback to receiver. Sparks did deal with some injury problems last year. Didn't see the field much. But I'll just put someone with experience at that number eight spot. There are some really good players. Not in that top eight. You look at TJ Sheffield. You look at Marcellus Moore. Those guys are going to be speed demons on the slot and in the return game for Purdue. You look at Abdur Rahman Yassin, who was a four-star recruit that Purdue got to 
flip from Northwestern at the 11th hour. Great receiving group in West Lafayette this year. Great question, Dan. Thank you for that. That's how I would go with the top eight, though. Brian wants to know, what Purdue game led to the most future Boilers coming into the world? I'm going to go 2000 Ohio State. Uh, Such a big win for Purdue at that time. Nationally televised games meant something a little different back then with Brent Musburger on the call in West Lafayette and his classic Holy Toledo call. Uh, Drew Brees to Seth Morales, as many of you know. One of the biggest moments in Purdue football history and really put Purdue in the conversation to going to the Rose Bowl that season. Finally, our last question coming in on Twitter this week from Sam says, assuming Rondale Moore and David Bell will be one and two, who will be Purdue's third leading receiver? That's another good question because there's so many options here, and you could give me so many names that wouldn't surprise me. I am going to go with Ahmad Anderson. He did enough nice things as a freshman last year that I think he will start as the third receiver alongside Moore and Bell. You can go with so many options, though. Um, and I would not completely count out Payne Durham. I know, uh, you know, he's been limited in his play thus far. Obviously, be, you know, being behind a pro in Bryson Hopkins is tough and limits the amount of time you can get on the field. But Brom loves to utilize his tight ends when he can. We saw that with both Cole Herdman and Bryson Hopkins in his first three seasons. So don't completely count out Payne Durham but I am going to go with Ahmad Anderson Jr. as Purdue's third leading receiver. That's all I have for this week's show. Thank you for spending your time with me today. And again, if you want to get in on those Q&A sessions, give us a follow on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. Hit us up before next week's episode. We will get your question answered on the show every week. We'll be back next Tuesday for more of the biggest news and high-level analysis of Purdue Athletics. But until then, stay safe.